Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we speak with Michelle Donovan, partner in Productivity Uncorked, a coaching firm specializing in productivity coaching, referral coaching, and business management for financial advisors. Michelle used to be the owner of a referral coaching business and gradually migrated to exclusively serving financial advisors. Along the way, she co-authored books including The 29% Solution and A Woman's Way, empowering female financial advisors to authentically lead and flourish in a man's world. In this episode, we talk about A Woman's Way, what's unique about it, and how men actually have more to learn from it than female financial advisors. She describes active and passive strategies for attracting referrals. We then get into a new concept, the referral SWOT. You may recognize SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats from the corporate world. Michelle has adapted this specific kind of analysis to identify what's keeping advisors from attracting more referrals and what they can better leverage to attract more. Here now is our conversation with Michelle Donovan. Michelle Donovan, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. So nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So you and your partner, Patty, uh, coach advisors on productivity and referrals. And uh, you have a number of interesting things that we want to touch on and talk about today, including a book um, that you wrote together called A Woman's Way. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, did, how did the two of you come to offer this particular combination of things? Well, Patty and I have known each other for a long time as, uh, you know, as business colleagues and so forth. Patty's had her own um, coaching practice for probably about 15 or so years. That was before this, before we kind of combined our our purpose. And she, you know, she was a, uh, she's a certified professional organizer and a productivity coach. So she worked with businesses uh, doing that. And I had my own I owned a franchise for a long time. Um, let's see, probably about 12 years, I owned a franchise called Referral Institute. And um, we I would find that so often when I was coaching uh, not only business owners at the time, but particularly advisors, I would find that many times they were really, you know, kind of either overwhelmed in some areas or um, distracted or not focused, you know, just kind of, they had too much stuff in their head and I would refer them. I would refer them to Patty over and over to kind of get a little bit more together or un, un, un overwhelmed. That's not really that's not what I'm trying to say. Exactly. They get themselves together a little bit. And then, um, she would just refer them back to me when they were kind of put back together. And so we did that for a while. And finally we said, you know, we should, we should really think about combining, combining ourselves. And that's what we did. And then we really uh, narrowed the niche and really focused exclusively on working in the wealth management world. Yeah. And then how did you, how did you go that? Cause I, I was surprised when you were giving your backgrounds that, that it didn't sound like either of you had a background in financial services. Right. Right. We so, do not. So how did you, how did you find your way over to, um, to financial advisors? Well, it's, it's like, um, it kind of found us. It, uh, I, as a coach and as a, as a trainer in my earlier days, I just, I started to not only attract 
more advisors, but um, I started realizing just how much I enjoyed working with that particular, those particular individuals. And there was a, there was a lot of synergy in the sense of a lot of what the two of us do for our advisors is really, you know, we really focus on helping them to make more money and help them to have the kind of life that they want and that they want to be able to enjoy. And they're trying to do the very same thing for their clients. They're trying to help their clients to have the kind of life that they want, maintain the the money that they need to have to be able to retire comfortably and so forth. And we just found a real synergy with that industry. And it just took off from there. Interesting. Now, mm-hmm. your most recent book, as I mentioned, is A Woman's Way. Tell, tell us what what's different about women financial advisors that you encourage them to embrace? Well, I love this question because um, there's, there are quite a few things that, were, that are different about women in particular. And our, our practice, we certainly coach both men and women, uh, but we have an affinity towards, towards women. And probably at any time, our practice is, I'd say, you know, 70, 30 towards the women side mm-hmm. of how many women we're coaching. And what we find a lot about the female advisors, one thing that is different about them is purely the fact that they're women. And so scientifically, there's estrogen involved. And the estrogen that women have really helps them to have a, a larger drive towards taking care of others and protecting their relationships. And so because you know the whole wealth management industry is really focused on relationships, it gives them a little bit of an edge right there. But another one is, and we find this huge, and we, we heard this um, overwhelmingly from the women that we interviewed when we were preparing for the book, women's intuition. And what, we, what I've come to find out from doing some research is that women could pick up six facial cues whereas men pick up one in a similar situation. And we've heard, I can't tell you how many times we've heard clients tell us stories about like the, the female advisor and a male advisor being in a room together talking to uh, a, a couple, for example. One woman in particular, she told us a story about they're, they're just having their meeting like they normally would have a meeting. And the, the couple, the, particularly the, the the woman in the couple was a little bit more quiet than she normally would be. And the man's just going, 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 going. The, the advisor's just going, going, going with the, with the content. And all of a sudden, the female advisor just kind of just says, wait, wait, let's just stop for a second um, because I, I think we need to take a minute here and I need to ask you a question. And she just looked at the couple and she said, is everything okay? And they pretty much started to break down and they had had a a pretty traumatic family situation occur that the woman's intuition was picking up on it and the man was clueless about it. And so I think that women's intuition is so valuable that women have that they can't underestimate that as as an advisor, how much that comes into play. And so just to, to clarify, are you 
are you saying that you're coaching, you have an affinity toward women, so therefore you tend to work with more women? Or do you think what you deliver is different because they're women? I'm just sort of interested in how that plays into the, the, the work that you do. Yeah, um, we do. We do attract a lot of women to to us. A lot of female advisors um, come to us, and it's interestingly interesting thing to notice when uh, we're working with a male advisor. Um, most of the male advisors that we work with tend to possess some of these qualities as well uh, that women have, you know, cause men can be just as good at these things too, if they put focus on them, but women, a lot of this stuff comes natural to them. And the majority of the men that we work with do have a more nurturing side about them. Typically, not all of them, but typically. And so they, and they're, and they typically tend to be a little bit younger too. They're not, um, they're more of like the next generation, uh, advisor, not the millennial advisor, but yeah, and, and, and it sounded that that you sort of a question came up as you were describing that that it sounds like you know it if it's if it's more natural to women it it seems almost like a woman's way is is the book that should be read by male advisors yes to yes. learn learn, learn uh-huh. more of that yeah uh, but but apart from the natural differences are, are there things that, that you know that that you know that you say in a woman's way that that you that you try to help female advisors embrace or develop that um, uh, that they that they have to that they should develop as opposed to what they have naturally. Yeah, some of the things that uh, we really focus in on is helping women to get past sabotaging thoughts and sabotaging behaviors, and um, women tend to hold on to things. Uh, a long time, and if if something gets in their head, um, they can you know it can become a very very strong limiting belief, and it can get in their way. And the the other side of that is um, the other big piece of that is really helping women to learn to trust not only trust their relationships, their relationships being their clients, for example, but also how to leverage their network at large, which which includes not only clients and COIs, but their entire network. And so it's almost helping them take blinders off, see things very differently, get to the real core of of, uh, beliefs or actions that are getting in their way. And we, I can't tell you how many times I've heard from women who have read this book that men have to read this book too. And and we've had women buy it for men, you know, and, and so forth. But yeah, so... It's, it is information that can easily be brought to men as well. They have to be open to it. Well, let me, maybe that's a sort of a good segue because I wanted to, to ask you about referrals and you mentioned networks and COIs and whatnot. Can you talk to us just sort of generally about your approach to referrals? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. Um, I have the approach that, um, you know, I, I do want to help financial advisors to really um, shift their thinking when it comes to referrals, because I would say every advisor that comes to me struggles with, you know, and, and Steve, you know, you taught, you have the book, Stop Asking for Referrals. They, they come to me with that, that pain point of 
they all say, you know, I, I, I'm no good at it. I can't ask for referrals. I, I don't ask for referrals. Um, there's always that stigma in their mind of asking for referrals is, is hard and it's, you know, and it's uncomfortable and everything, everything around that, that you both know. And so I help them to kind of shift their thinking away from the, the actual asking and more towards focusing them on education. Um, because I believe that there's the gap. I believe that they have a lot of people in their life, clients included, who genuinely want to refer them, but there's a gap with um, them, with those individuals not necessarily knowing or understanding exactly who they want or, or what they want. And that gap can be filled with education. So my two main probably, I guess I would say thrusts are one, teaching clients, teaching my clients how to further educate their clients on how to refer them if they're so interested, and then helping people to really leverage, lead, and um, and work their networks for that purpose. And can you talk a bit more about what that would look like, educating advisors on, um, you know, helping clients to refer? Sure. The... Um, the main, the main thing that I do is I'll help that individual, that advisor. Um, we kind of co-create a tool for them to be able to share through a, through a referral conversation. So I want them to think of, I don't want them to think so much as to the ask, but more in the alignment of, I want you to have a conversation with clients, a conversation with, with, um, people in your network, a conversation with COIs. And so we work to put together a very specific tool that basically turns out to be a one-page sheet that focuses them on um, helping the client to understand very clearly who they're trying to attract, who they want to serve um, and bring bring their value to. So very clear description of who that is. So everybody understands and it's a unified message. Um, I also focus them to really start thinking about what, what do other people need to listen for, um, on behalf of them. So, uh, Julie, you had done some research around, you know, why clients don't refer and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, one of the things that really is very, very, um, very much out there is that clients don't necessarily, they're not necessarily able to recognize an opportunity for an advisor. And so some of that can be addressed by helping them, helping the, my client to teach their clients and their network at large, how do they, what do they have to listen for on behalf of them? Like what, what triggers are they listening for statements complaints, pain points, that sort of thing. Um, what might they see or observe or notice that, uh, that if somebody sees this, it's getting them in the top of their mind. It's making them think of, of the advisor. And then the, one of the big things is how do they, how do they bring them up in conversation? How would a client or how would a, um, a friend or your brother or your sister, how would they bring that advisor up in a conversation if they hear this or if they or if they see this 
and then also um, helping them to come up with good questions that um, somebody else can ask on your behalf that kind of helps to move that referral along. Those things, when you put it together into a bit of a process, that's what closes that gap. And, you know, and that's, I, I'm, I'm, that, that's so important. And I really want to emphasize something you just said about, you know, helping clients recognize those opportunities because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that, that education is a really important part of it. You know, that, that, that if you can coach your clients, you know, to, uh, with something like, listen, if you ever hear one of your friends say this, or if you ever hear right. them express that, that you right. know, we can we can we can really be of help to the people who are struggling with that. Right. It's very. It becomes very um, freeing to the advisor. They absolutely love it because I don't give them the language. I coach them to pull that language out of them, so it feels like it's their own personal process. And every advisor I work with is different, and so. Um, even though it's a similar process, the, the content of what they develop and what they pull from themselves feels good to them. It feels comfortable to them because they're not reading it from a book or they're not taking it from a, a course kind of thing. They're creating it themselves. Right, right. They're not mm-hmm. reading a script. Right. Um, <clears throat> and, and that sort of also goes to, you know, addressing or catering to a client's motivation to refer. What what are your what are your thoughts about what motivates clients to to uh, make a referral to a, an advisor? Yeah, I you know I think that um, and I see it all the time. I think that advisors, you know, really really good advisors, they have fantastic relationships with their clients. They they have raving fans. They have people who, um, you know think that they're treat them or kind of think of them as part of the family. They have people that bring them cookies at the holidays and, you know, they walk in the door and all they want to do is give it a big hug. And they have these people who absolutely adore them. And so the motivation is, is there simply because those clients are invested from the relationship perspective, from the, from the personal perspective. And so from my perspective, what, they, what the advisor needs to do is to um, learn how to leverage that motivation and learn how to activate those people to be, be engaged in the referral process um, to the point of where uh, they're, not, they're not necessarily doing it on behalf of the advisor. They're doing it because they, um, they want their closest family, friends, et cetera. They want the people they care about to have that same experience and to have that same relationship with an advisor. And that's, that's the true yeah. motivation. Okay. Right. So you're, you're in a way you're saying the true motivation then isn't so much to help the advisor, if I'm hearing that correctly, mm-hmm. but, but it needs to be there as a starting point, obviously. Yeah. I think it needs to be there. I think, I think there are people who do have, um, there are clients who do have that motivation that want, you know, they, they feel so connected to that advisor. They want to help them succeed. They don't, you know, and they, they may have even already announced the fact, you know, they may have 
said to the advisor, sure, I'd be happy to refer you, you know, anytime, anytime I'd be happy to refer you. They're giving that advisor the, um, the, the validation that, you know, they're doing, they've got strong relationships and now they need to move those relationships forward to really engage that client in the process. One of the things I'd, I'd love to, to talk more about is sort of getting down to some of the specifics and tactics. Um, I know one of the things you recommend, and I, and I believe you're, you're sharing a tool in the show notes, uh, that's, that's about really helping an advisor think about their business to set themselves up from, for success, excuse me, like a, a SWOT analysis. Can you talk a little bit about the approach and what you think advisors need to be thinking about specifically in order to drive more referrals? Well, the SWOT analysis is, um, it's a tool. Um, it's a specific assessment. Think of it as a, an assessment tool that um, advisors can, you know, they purchase it, it comes to them, and it has a series of questions. It has about 36 questions, if I'm not mistaken, but it breaks down along the line of SWOT, which is it focuses on um, specific referral strengths, referral weaknesses, referral opportunities, and referral threats. And so there's nine questions related to each one of those categories. And once they, once they take that assessment and they send it back to me, then I um, offer them a 30-minute coaching consultation and give them a one-page analysis around it, kind of helping them to say, okay, let's look at all the things that you've identified and let's really fine tune areas that need to be addressed right now. Some are needed to be addressed immediately. Some can be put off and so forth, but really kind of looking at how does your whole referral process for as an advisor break down into these four categories and open up their eyes to see the complexity of a real referral process when you have it all into place. Thank you. Um, sorry, so just a quick question. No, no go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, give maybe just a specific example of, say, a, a threat to, to yeah. referrals that, that you find advisors need to work or, with. Or maybe even, a, a, maybe even an example of each of those, because I think it would, be, it would be really interesting to hear one of each. Sure. Okay. So, for example, uh, one of the questions with respect to referral strengths, strengths are really focusing more on internal positive attributes of their, of their referral process, what's working, what's, what's doing well. So some of the questions here might be, um, what networking activities do you engage in currently to support your referral efforts? Helping them to look at that. Another one might be, um, how clear are you and your team with being able to describe your preferred client? Um, and then even another one might be um, just plain asking them what do they think their referral strengths are for them at the moment? Where do they think they're really, really good at? So if I look at the, um, the weaknesses, these would be, you know, looking at weak zones or gaps, preventing them from really maximizing their referral results. So one question here could be, um, for example, 
what technology or equipment is needed to better support their comprehensive referral strategy. Um, unbelievably, I can't tell you how many times I talk to advisors who don't track their referrals in any way, whether it's on sure. an Excel yeah. spreadsheet or yeah. anyway, they're not, they're not doing it. And so there's tremendous um, areas for improvement there if they're not doing that. Another one is um, what referral skills are lacking in you or your team as a weakness. And what would be some examples of those maybe that somebody could say, okay, if this is a weakness, this is what I need to do? Well, it could be, you mean from the skills perspective? Sure. Yeah. Well, they could identify that they feel that they really stink at networking. That could be an example. Um, Maybe um, they've never had any formalized training or coaching around networking. Um, They could also identify, they could come back and probably say something like, I don't feel that I'm any good at asking for referrals. They would see that as a skill that they lack. Um, that could be a couple of examples there. Right. And, and so if I, if I said, say networking's my real weakness, mm-hmm. what, how might you guide me to enhance that? Well, that would, I would, I would certainly dive into that as a much deeper uh, conversation with them. If that was, if that was the one thing that they identified that we wanted to really talk about during the coaching segment, I would dive into that conversation with them and talk to them about what are they doing now? Where are they, where are they networking? Where do they see that they want to network? What kind of results are they getting from networking? But also what do they want to get out of it? And how are they perceiving networking um, from the from the very beginning. Um, so I would dive into that conversation and really be able to pull them um, into, from that conversation, I need to find out where their true weakness is because networking, there's a lot that can be covered in networking. And so it's a matter of, you know, are they networking in the right places with the right people? Are they spending um time in the wrong places with the wrong people? Do they have um, inhibitions? There's a, there's a lot to really go into it. So I'd like to pick up on something that Julie asked a bit ago, because I'm interested in this. So in, in the, in the traditional SWOT analysis in the corporate setting, you know, strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses are internal and opportunities and threats are external. So, right. um, so I'm, in, I'm really interested in what would an example of a threat be? A threat. Okay. So Perhaps a, a threat could be that um, one question might be, is your target market shrinking, for example? Oh, um, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So if is, is are they aware of it? You know, it's kind of like a lot of times people aren't even aware of it. Um, that might be an example. Um, thinking about uh, what predicted industry trends could affect your ability to acquire referrals. You know, and just looking at COVID, for example, how nobody could have predicted, you know, something like this. And this is going to produce some new trends um, in the industry that, you know, are they considering how it may, how these new trends may affect their ability to get referrals. Another one could be something like, are there businesses that are not currently direct competitors, but could be in the future? So looking around their community to see what their community businesses are doing. And is there somebody who is either coming in to be a new 
new competitor or um, is there some companies that are potentially going to be adding certain things to their products and services that may be competitors? So really looking at, like you said, external. I do add a little internal component to this as well, because I think internally there could be some threats. For example, one of the questions here also asks about what resistance beliefs or attitudes exist in the firm that impact your ability to acquire more referrals. So that would be an internal, potentially an internal threat. Okay. So I know one of the things you talk about, Michelle, is passive and active strategies for generating referrals. I was wondering if you could share maybe a specific passive and a specific active strategy that you've seen working really well. Mm -hmm. One is from the passive side. I think that I think that a, a, re, a genuine, like complete referral process needs to it's, it needs to kind of have its tentacles reach out. Uh, through the firm and get into the marketing components, the general marketing components as well. And so one that I've seen work incredibly well, an advisor here locally uh, does this. They put, uh, they have a welcome package, a welcome kit for their clients, and they put in their package a one-page sheet that talks about their client appreciation event that they have every year. It's an event called Friends Helping Friends. And this event is, they make it a big deal. It's a big event. It always has a fun theme. It's a, um, it's wildly popular with their clients. And the only way you can attend the event is by referring to the firm, a new client and that the, and that the client, I mean, and the prospect does become a client. So before they started, um, before they started doing this program, they had about 5% of their clients typically refer in any given year. Once they started doing this program, they jumped up to 20%, 20% of their clients refer now. And 20% of that 20% repeats every year. They they love the event so much that they don't want to not be there kind of thing. And so they will, they will actively talk to people just so that they can refer a new client to the advisor. It, only if that client becomes a new client um, will they get invited. So it's not, a, it's not necessarily an active um, strategy because it's a flyer that's inside their packet and the people look it over. And so the, the new client sees that there's this program that they, that they offer. So that's a, that's an example that has become very successful, um, for those particular, that particular, uh, family firm, an active strategy that is very, very successful is definitely connected to what we were talking about earlier with the education uh, referral conversation that's taking a very active role where clients literally sit down over lunch or where the advisor sits down with the client over lunch, coffee, and spends, spends quality time with that client talking to them about more of the things that we talked about earlier, you know, how, how to identify and how to be engaged in that referral part. 
that referral process. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is this is really interesting, and it's it's a really interesting approach, especially about the the SWOT analysis to. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, to sort of pulling, you know, sort of analyzing your own business, because I think this is, you know, we talk a lot about referrals, but we don't necessarily talk a lot about how to analyze your business. Right. You know, from that perspective of referrals. And I think you have some stuff coming up that you wanted to offer folks. Did you want to talk about some of the things, some of the programs you have coming up that uh, people, if they want to follow up, could uh, potentially take advantage of? Sure. Well, we do have some things coming up. We have... Um, we're putting this together right now. We're going to have a um, free five-day challenge coming up in January, um, and the information will probably start to go out right after right after the holidays. We'll be blasting that out, but it's a free five-day challenge where um, people will be engaged for five days, quick, just you know, doing certain specific activities just to kind of get them started with what they can do to begin to get more clients engaged and help them really understand which clients are the best clients to begin to, to even think about approaching. Um, and so that's going to be something that we're very excited about. And that's going to lead into uh, some online online courses that we're putting together to uh, to support that, there's going to be an offer during that five-day challenge for people to, if they're interested and they want more of that, they can consider some coaching opportunities or they can consider um, our new classes that are going to be out. And then, of course, we have the referral SWOT analysis. Right. Okay. Well, that's great. So um, so if people want to find out about that five-day challenge or the SWOT or the other things you do for folks, Michelle, where can people uh, learn more about what you guys do? Well, they can go right to our website. It's um, www.productivityuncorked.com. That's the easiest Well, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really uh, informative, and uh, we appreciate your sharing your insights with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I've really enjoyed it, and, and uh, I wish you both well. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.